Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Jason Troy is an executive coach, keynote speaker, and communication expert. In a world where every individual and organization is constantly striving to be the very best they can be, Jason is the go-to person for people that are already at the top of their game but want to climb even higher. The list of services Jason offers is extensive to say the least. He's an expert in team building, a chief personnel officer, an organisational psychotherapist and psychologist and a high performance trainer whose services benefit CEOs, executives, managers, HR departments and entrepreneurs. Some of the names he's worked with include Apple, Amazon and Google, which immediately gives you a clear idea of this man's calibre. And from across the Atlantic Ocean, uh, it gives me great pleasure to be speaking today to somebody whose reputation certainly precedes them, Jason Troy. Jason, welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on and speaking to your fantastic audience. Well, uh, across the world. So um, it's amazing what uh, technology does these days. So here I am in London and there you are in Dallas, I believe. So um, terrific to speak to you and loads to learn. So we're going to rattle through this at a pace, if that's okay. So for those of you who have, uh, for those of you not heard uh, about this great man, because I've heard lots about him already, Jason, could I start by asking you just to tell us about your background uh, and what led you to do what you do? Well, like every entrepreneur, I think business person today, it's an extremely windy, curvy road with a lot of some ups and downs along the way. So I started off going to law school and getting my master's in communications, thinking that's the route I wanted to go down. And then towards the end of school, I realized that that really wasn't the life I wanted to leave. And I was really interested in technology. And so I went out to Silicon Valley and that was, you know, in the late nineties when the heyday was really going on, right? When Apple was starting to come to fruition, I mean, pretty much all the technology names that you're thinking about really took the next level or were just being like literally born. And so it was a great opportunity to work with some amazing leaders and people. You know, the person I work with Mark Cuban when his company was acquired. I got to work with Steve Jobs at Pixar and at Apple. I mean, pretty much just countless people in different areas. So it was a it was an amazing opportunity. And one of the things I, I learned was how to be a great leader, how to be a great manager. And then the opposite of that, what most people were doing. And the other thing at that point that I was starting to see, it was about the team that you were building and how are people actually assembling them because the devil's in the details on how to do that. So 
through the years, you know, moving around, I worked at HP. And then when I was there, I saw the company essentially collapse. It's not near the company. So I was with some downturns. And I decided at that point, you know, one of the things I love to do was just to work with people. And so I developed more of my skill sets and learned from some great coaches and teachers and mentors. And then, you know, decided to go down this route. Well, you had quite a teacher in Steve Jobs. Goodness me, that's uh, that's quite quite a one for the CV. What what was it about your specifically then, Jason, about your previous experience in in life and work uh, that made you feel like you were the right kind of person to help others excel? Because there isn't many people like you that have you know great experience and the teaching of others, which you've obviously adapted uh, in, in your own unique way. So, what is it about Jason Troy that um, made you, I guess, realize that gave you that kind of epiphany, that moment in your life where you thought, you know what, I can transform the lives of others? Well, I think some of it is being an extrovert and loving people, interacting with them and trying to understand human behavior because a lot of this is patterned. And so the more it's kind of like the 10,000 hour rule, right? When you interact with so many people, you get to see so many variations on success. It's easy to go to that way. The other thing is just being curious, right? I love to learn. So I'm always learning, reading, talking to people, taking courses, doing things. And adding to that knowledge base helps you be on the cutting edge of what's going on. And then I think it's the relationships you build with people in a variety of settings to have the conversations with people that are creating groundbreaking research, that are doing things on the cutting edge, that are struggling and failing and taking all of those and internalizing it in to how you're working with people. Because a lot of people in what I do um, have spent time doing those things, but then they get lackadaisical and they stop doing it. And I think a requirement in being a good coach, teacher, leader, manager, whatever you want to call it in any role, is that you have to focus on learning and development and having those relationships with people that are keeping you on the bleeding edge of what's going on. Otherwise, you're just going to fall behind. Yeah. So, um, I I think you've partially answered this question, but I'm fascinated because you've touched on something that I think is important to a lot of people, Jason. Does helping, because let me, let me frame this for you. A lot of people, particularly in the UK, will say, well, you know, if Jason's so successful, why is he, why is he spending time helping other people? But what I'm hearing from you loud and clear is the ability to help others helps you grow. That's what I've, that's what I think I've just heard. I'm paraphrasing slightly, but would that be, would that be fair? Well, it is because a lot of the times as you're doing it, you're learning from that, like what's working and what's not. Because all the time when I'm I'm trying things, right? So like there are times when I will work with people or call them up and say, hey, let me try something with you. I'm not even going to charge you for it. I'm going to see if this would actually work, right? And when you start experimenting just like a scientist, right, or something else, you can start to come up with theories and patterns and other things that start working, right? So that's mm-hmm. also part of it. But also I think in the helping part, you give what you get to other people. And when you can help people without always being attached to outcome of wanting something, I found that that's extremely powerful because then you're not always worried about what's actually going to transpire. You're doing it because you want to do it or you don't want to do it and then you don't do it. Mm. 
That is a lovely answer, actually. Uh, I've, I've heard that from a few people. It's almost focusing on the process and not necessarily on the outcome. So doing it because you believe in it, you want to do it rather than for, you know, maybe material gain or some other kind of outcome that you that many people are, are are motivated by. Um, and it's always, I think the point of it is, is that, right, I don't go around and it's not altruistic, right? I don't stand around and just saying, well, I want to just help you without anything. I mean, I put boundaries on it and sure, there are times when I want to get something out of people for something, right? But to realize that's more of a matching situation than giving. Mm. I don't call it what it's not. And I think that's the problem. You have to actually be honest with yourself and why you're doing what you're doing and not try to either forward market it or spin it or call it something it's not. Mm. And I think when you can do that, I think it changes the process of you interacting with other people and their experiences for, with you are dramatically different than they are with other people. And that changes how they want to help you because people like that want to see other people be more successful mm. because there are just less people out there like that. Yeah. I'd just like to take you back to a couple of words you used earlier, uh, Jason, around um, one was we talked about or you talked about leadership. I've heard that word a couple of times. I also heard uh, manager or management. And a lot of people have a fundamental misunderstanding of the characteristics of both leadership and management. Are you able to share with us your take on what makes a great leader and what makes a good manager and kind of what the fundamental differences might be? Well, I think leader is someone that can cast a vision for an organization, right? They're able to motivate a large group of people or any group of people as an, as a whole, right? And I think set the conditions and environment for those people to succeed, right? A manager is about getting the most out of the people that are working with them. And I think I look at it as more directly to an individual, such as giving people feedback, putting learning growth and development down for an individual, what their career path is, right? Having hard conversations with them. And I think a lot of that is more directed at people that you are either directly working with or underneath the people that you're having, right? And mm. I think that's kind of a management style and how people interact with each other. Mm. And so that's how I look at it. Um, and that's how I work with people on it. And I think both of those are extremely difficult to do. And I think the problem in today's society overall, and I don't care where you are in the world, it's that people think this is an innate ability and very few people are either spending money or spending time being better leaders and managers, right? They just think they figured it out. And that's a huge problem because these are all learned skills. Sure, some people are better than others, you know, innately, but they will all hit a ceiling. Yeah. Because there are all these things that you need to learn and there are best practices that you can't figure out on your own because you would have to develop all these things, which is impossible for any single person to do that. Mm. And so I think the problem is most people that are leading organizations spend so little time on their learning and development in comparison to what they should be doing that they're actually way less successful and effective and they 
over believe or they think too highly of themselves, right? I was seeing a data um, that was a few years ago, a study, and there's quite a few of these. They were interviewing 5,000 senior managers and then interviewing all the people that worked underneath them for several levels. And they interviewed them on 20 different characteristics of being a leader on communication, on their relationships and strategic thinking. And out of the 19 to 20 categories, they significantly overrated how they saw themselves compared to other people. And what that means is that someone would give themselves a 70 versus someone else giving you a 30. So it's pretty dramatic. Mm. It's 19 out of 20. And that's one study. And there are tons of others that correlate that, right? And many times that's poor self-awareness, which is a huge piece of this as well. So I think for people listening to this, if you don't invest in yourself and you don't start investing in your own self-awareness and your own thoughts and patterns and psychology, you will hit a ceiling that you keep hitting again because it's your psychology first and then it's the external world. That is very, very well articulated. A lot of takeaways there. Thank you. Uh, you talk about ceiling, mentioned that word a couple of times. How on earth then, Jason, do you take people who are already performing in the top 1% of their field and help them to achieve even more? I mean, motivationally, inspirationally, skill set, um, desire. How do people push themselves way beyond the place that most of us you know, could ever think about going? Well, I think the first thing is with anyone I'm working with, I'm looking, trying to look at their blind spots and I'm trying to see what they're not seeing. And typically what happens is a lot of these blind spots are patterns that they've been doing that are unconscious. And many of them are going back to areas such as childhood, right? And an example of that would be I will have clients who are poor listeners or the people underneath managing them are complaining that they're not listening, hearing them or taking feedback. And in some instances, I've had clients who come from big families. And the only way when they were growing up to get attention from mom and dad was to yell over their siblings. Mm. Well, they learned from an early age that not listening helped them get what they wanted. And if they actually listened, they wouldn't get anything. And so they've incorporated that throughout their life and their success. But now in terms of leadership and management, they have to do the opposite. Well, that's end up sabotaging their success, right? And that's just one example, but there are plenty of them to go along with that. And so that's a huge piece of it is doing that. I think the other thing is that when I'm working with people, I show them that their ability to build trust and really know the people around them is significantly less than they think it is. So I'll give them tools. Like I created this game, Cards Against Mundanity, and it's just a question game, question and answer, but it's asking very vulnerable questions, right? Like, what's the most important lesson you've learned in the last year? What's the biggest setback you've had in your life and why was it? What did you learn from it, right? Questions that most people, almost no one knows about the people around them. And once you start doing things like that and asking questions and getting answers and knowing it, for people that are successful and driven, one, the people around them light up and work ridiculously hard because the number one reason people work hard for other people is in their own career success and growth. It's the number one fear every human being has is disappointing and letting people down and having to have that conversation with someone, right? That's how you motivate people is not wanting to let other people down. So when you 
form those deep relationships with people and you start taking away your blind spots, right? And then you're learning other things that get evidence and that work well, mm. people really start to light up and hit their zone and then they take off to another level that they didn't even think was possible. I wanted to ask you about your Cards Against Mundanity game. Um, it, it was something I'd made a mental note to speak to you about, so I'm glad you've raised it. How, how does that work? I mean, I know you, you do it with you know, co-workers, and you get them to like each other, right, by, by uh, participating in this yeah. game. So tell us a bit more about what you do with, with employees and co-workers. Well, part of it is, is that when I started to go back and I started to look at the best teams I was on and I looked at all the research and I came across this one research study by Professor Arthur Aaron and he got grad students together back in 1997 that were strangers and he had them ask questions over like 45 minutes. And what he did was find that by asking vulnerable questions, 30% of the people created the closest relationship in their lives in 45 minutes. I mean, that means I could take anyone listening right now that's like in London, go down to the pub, and I could find them a new best friend in 45 minutes if they talk to three or four people. And that's pretty amazing when you think about it. And then when you take that into a workplace and you do it in a group, what ends up happening is you learn more about the people that you're around and then you care more about them. They care more about you. They know your ins and outs. They're more willing to work with you, compromise, resolve conflicts, communicate better. So your job at work is better. Your drama is down and your productivity is up and your team is up. And so what I found is that the key is, is that you have to ask meaningful questions of people that can allow you to understand their past experience, their wants, their hopes, their dreams, their heartbreaks and heartaches. Not even necessarily you want to be friends with them, but you can understand how to better interact with them and they can understand how to better interact with you. And then also to have hard conversations and pull you aside if things aren't working rather than sweeping under the rug or making up stories or gossiping or something else like that. Mm. And it's and it's the only number one way all the research is doing it. And the fundamental thing people miss is trust is the first question you ask yourself. Right. The question is, do I trust you or do I not? And if I do, how much trust do I have with you? And that's my willingness to share. That's my willingness for risk. That's my willingness to go all in. That's a willingness to go along with your idea versus mine, right? Buy and influence everything else. So it's the first place to start. And so you have to teach people that. And when you give them a game and a group, it's easy for them to execute and just ask questions. But then there's learning that they do. And then the other part of it is they see that all these people they're working with, they thought they were different or they grew up in a different part of England or Europe or somewhere else. They're really a lot alike, and they're really many ways the same. And that also helps people interact with each other in a different way. And it does it super quick. Mm. I, 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 I'm, I'm loving this. The list of people that, that you help, the services you offer, is obviously very extensive. got some amazing names on your CV. Uh, and, and as a very, very busy man... Uh, I guess the question is, how do you find time to juggle all this stuff? And your own team of people, uh, Jason, their importance in that process, helping you to achieve your own success, I guess is very important, right? 
It is. I mean, that's the key thing is your team. And when you think about your team, it's it's not just your peers, your colleagues, the people you manage, right? The people that you have to report into. It's also your partners outside the organization, your clients, your prospects, really everyone else. And I look at that as your team. I have a pretty broad view of it. And I think that that really helps. And the other part of this, too, is it really helps organizations that are virtual remote workers, people that are international. One of the things that I I did when I was working at HP and other things when I was working with international teams in the U.S. is that I start the first thing I had counterparts across the globe. My first conversations were that with them were always. So what's the best working condition you've ever had or relationship with someone in another country? Like, what did that look like for you, right? And then I asked him questions like, so if I could work best with you, how would that work? Mm-hmm. And then one of the first probably meetings, like four or five meetings, I, re- I always remember because I started working with people in London and Europe, I would do stuff super early in the morning on their time frame, like when I was in California. So I'd have to wake up at like three in the morning or two in the morning to do it because I wanted to show them that my time wasn't more important than theirs. And I realized that at some point I might need them to do something that was in a time frame that didn't work for them. But I would be willing to do the same. Right. And those are the you know, when you start to understand that and get into people's heads. Right. That's what part of this game is about. It dramatically changes your working relationship with other people. Right. And then what did I find is that I found my relationships and teams across the world were doing way better than my counterparts. And they'd always ask me questions about it. And I'd be like, well, I just got to know the people and ask questions and did things another human being would do to treat someone else that they actually mattered. And it was funny, I, had, I told them this and like no one did it, even though I would actually tell them what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So that also is pretty remarkable that I think a lot of times success for people is just do, is showing up and doing the little things that are free. Yeah. Don't cost anything. What do you mean exactly, Jason, when you say you're an organizational psychologist, because it sounds really interesting, and how big a part in success does psychology play? That is a very big question, I realize. And uh, you and I are very kind of connected on this particular subject. But for the purposes of sharing with our with our global audience, how big a part does psychology play? and, And how do you utilize that in the work that you do? I mean, I think it's huge. Because your self-awareness and your viewpoints and your blueprint of how you see the world is going to direct on how you do everything. So unless you master your own psychology, understand your blind spots, right, and understand how that affects the people around you, right, and all the things that you're doing, I mean, it's pretty massive, right? The productivity and efficiency and effectiveness of spending time in these areas are things that can't, I mean, literally almost, I think, can't be measured in terms of that they're exponential results. They're not just incremental. They're doubling businesses. They're doing stuff massive because those are the things that cause problems, right? It's, and for instance, I'll give you an example. I do conflict resolution. And and most of the time in the conflict resolution, there's a story that someone made up about someone else 
that happened years ago because they didn't have a conversation. And that story is manifested in their head into some small thing. It turned into some giant demon or dragon that they've made up about someone else mm. that I have to deconstruct and take apart for them. And it's also caused them a lot of different problems. Right. So instead of actually having that hard conversation and going into it, our brain makes up false narratives and stories because it has to fill in the gaps. And we have a survival mechanism when we feel threatened by someone else, right? So when we don't resolve conflicts, that creates walls between us. So I tell people that like this is the first place you always have to go for any organization, any set of leaders or managers. If they can't master their own psychology and understand it, you're losing a significant amount of money every single year. That is a very poignant uh, comment and, and a great takeaway. What advice, so we get a lot of people listening to the Sandro Forte podcast, Jason, who, you know, they've, they've tried lots of things. They want to become more successful. They have all these goals and dreams and aspirations and they feel like they've exhausted every option. You know, we hear things like, well, you know, I've tried this and I've tried that. Still can't, kind of can't get out the starting block in life. With all of your experience and, and the CV that you've, uh, you've earned uh, the right to be able to boast, what, what advice do you give to people who, who, who kind of start in a rather negative place? Look, I've tried it. It just doesn't work for me. I'm not as gifted or as talented or as lucky as, as other people. Are there kind of any, any self-starter tips that you give to those, those kinds of people? Well, I would tell you this much. If you look at all the data, the things that make great leaders and managers and employees, right? So if you go LinkedIn has a list of the most successful traits and qualities. If you look at what hiring managers are looking at across the board, all of those are what people call soft skills. I call them power skills. All of those are learned behaviors. You can, I mean, no one I know is a really good manager by themselves unless they invest in it, right? Now, there are outliers, but they're pretty rare. Most people build poor performing teams. If you spend time, you can build a lot better. You can build better empathy. You can build better relationship building skills, right? All of these things are learning, testing, and doing. That's how you get better at it, right? Saying that you're going to wake up and, and you're going to be great at some things. Like the same person who says to me, well, Jason, I, I went and I see this person. They never work out and they look great. And I'm like, well, yeah, but that's like 0.1%. If you focused on all the red cars going downtown in London, you're going to see a lot of red cars. But if you looked at blue cars, you'd probably see them too or black ones as well. But we're not focused on these areas. And I would say the second part of that is that you have to focus on your own self-awareness and your blind spots, right? Tasha Yurik has a great book, um, and I can't remember the name of it, but she's a great self-awareness researcher that I've learned a lot from, and there's a lot of people, um, and that's a first place to start. And you just have to start, and you have to keep doing it, right? I mean, it's not going to be an easy process to master any of these skills or not going to be something you're going to do right away because the problem with a soft skill or power skill is not only do you have to learn it you then have to try it out for a period of time get the feedback and then go back and learn more and keep implementing a hard skill right like learning how to use excel or word or any difficult thing or learning how to you know do financials well you learn it in school and then you perfect it, right? You don't necessarily need to experience it itself. 
but it's not the same way when you're talking about these. So you have to do it and you have to look inside of yourself as well as outside of yourself. And if you do that, I don't really have, I don't know people that are not successful doing it. The only time you're not is if you stop or you don't put in the effort. So working the likes of Apple, Google, so let's take everyone to the opposite end of the spectrum. Those that have done it, that are hugely successful, that are reinventing themselves on a, on a constant basis. What are the common traits that you see in people who run these organizations or indeed uh, culturally within the, the company themselves, Jason, that you, you might be able to share with us? You know, are there any kind of wherever you go, you see the same things happening uh, in the likes of businesses run by Steve Jobs or Richard Branson or whoever it happens to be. Are they, are they kind of common traits, those those things that you see on a regular basis? Well, I think there, there are some, right? So I think you see a lot of grit determination because I think you have to and you have to be extremely positive and ride the ups and downs through it. I think that if you see in people, and I think it's even better to see managers now, probably someone like Richard Branson's probably a better example of this, but I think it's understanding the people and culture and how to make it work and finding people around you that are, that know how to do it because the people part of the equation now is becoming the single most important thing for managers. And you're gonna see that in the next 20 years, people are gonna write, the greatest managers coming out of 2020 are gonna be the people that understand people, mm. right? I would say that part of it is dramatically changing or than it, than it had been in the past due to a lot of other reasons into it. I would say that they're very curious about learning and understanding it. I think that they spend a lot of time having conversations, looking at patterns, looking at things outside the box. But what does that translate? They love what they're doing and they're passionate about it, right? And so I find those things, and I'll tell you the other part of it is being vulnerable. I think when you talk to those people behind closed doors with people they trust with and the people I've had, they're extremely vulnerable and willing to open up and share things with other people. And I think that's a strength. And so I think when you combine that with people, you'll be super successful. Sure, having a high IQ and other things can help you, but oftentimes the opposite way can hurt you because people's egos don't allow them to admit that they're wrong and be vulnerable. And ultimately, a lot of those people will be successful, but they will have a precipitous fall. The problem is most people looking at those people don't get to see the fall, don't understand it, right? So they just look at them as, well, they're just better than I am. I can never be that good, right? Well, they don't see the aftermath of it all. So, But I think if you have those qualities – those are the ones that really stand out um, amongst other people. And I'd say the other thing, too, is a lot of hard work. I mean, people are working a lot of hours to get all this out. It's not something that they're doing. You know, if if you aren't willing to put in six, seven days a week to some degree for some period of time and do it on some consistent basis, not every year, all the time, it's going to be really hard for you to reach that level. Mm. Wow, I I could go and ask you gazillion questions because there's so much more to come from uh, from you, Jason, given all of your experience. But um, time is kind of knocking at the door, so let me ask you a couple of final questions, if I may. The first one, uh, which is 
very, very uh, important. How do we as listeners get to find out more about you? So social media presence, a website, a book, uh, stuff that we can find out about you. Uh, Please share that with us. Sure. You can go to jasontroy.com. It's jasontreu.com. And you can find my coaching services. There's a blog. You can get the free and there's a Cards Against Mundanity. There's a free version of it. There's also actual physical card set you can get. You can get my book, Social Wealth. It's on Amazon. It's done extremely well. It teaches you how to build great business relationships with other people. And then there's a lot of other things on there as well that you can get and take a look at. Well, what I'm going to commit to do for those listening is I'm going to acquire a copy of your book and I'm going to make it available with your permission, Jason, uh, to anyone that likes this particular podcast uh, and of course the uh, the social media posts we put out there and we will offer that as a prize on behalf of Jason at our own expense and uh, and and thank you for sharing that so yeah l- let's get that out there for you final question uh, and, and so many great bits of information that you've shared in a very short space of time so I do really really appreciate it uh, if let's imagine a, a young uh, Jason Troy comes up to his dad and says Jason Senior, this is Jason Junior here, and uh, I've watched you do all these great things, but I really need you to kind of drill down one piece of advice that will help me to shape my future to get maximum benefit from life and business. What would be that one piece of advice you would give to your son or daughter? I'd say be curious, have grit, and invest deeply in relationships very succinct beautifully put uh and that is a fantastic way to end what i personally think and i know everyone listening will think is a really really excellent and content rich podcast so thank you so much jason it's been a a joy speaking to you and uh as i said you know we could go on speaking for a long time who knows we might get you back again uh due to popular demand but i wish you every success continuing success in all you're doing Um, i'm sure now that you've become visible to all of us we'll watch your your continuing career with great interest um so uh, continuing success in all you do and once again thank you for joining us on the sandro forte podcast thank you thank you for joining us on the sandro forte podcast wasn't jason troy absolutely amazing terrific in fact each week remember we've got a new guest from all different walks of life, joining us to share their own insights into success or overcoming life challenges. So you know it by now, social media, Sandro's podcast, same on all channels, questions to hello at sandrospodcast.com. And please remember those two other things. Do connect with me, Sandro Forte. It's the real Sandro Forte on Instagram. And please keep the reviews on iTunes coming because that does help to shape what we bring to you in the future. So until this time next week, goodbye for now. 